Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Weekly Knoll here with your host Clint Island from the Daily Knoll. And tonight, I uh, just got to tell you guys, Mike's not joining me, so it's going to be me solo. If you don't like me, I very much apologize, but that's the way it is. Uh, I did some radio in college, so I know generally how to do this. I mean, it's a podcast, so I can edit it later, but uh, regardless, just going to be me tonight. Uh, going to be going over FSU's horrible, terrible, no good loss to Syracuse today. Uh, so if you're listening to this podcast to hear the good news about FSU football, you're out of luck. In fact, I don't think you'll find any podcast actually doing that. Uh, if you're listening to hear more examination of why everything has turned into a heaping pile of garbage, well, let me tell you that you have come to the right place. I'm going to assume that everyone watched the game. Uh, if you haven't, the 30-7 to score is pretty indicative of what it was like. Uh, FSU's offense had the exact same issues as it did against Virginia Tech and Samford. The first touchdown came late in the game. After they had gone down three scores, the defense played well, but their effort was wasted because no one knows what they're doing. That's literally it. I mean, it is the literally the same script from the first two games, just copy and pasted. So I'm going to assume that everybody knows what I'm talking about here. Uh, this team has a lot of pressing issues, and everyone wants to know whether or not it's going to get better. The start of the Taggart era has basically gone off to the worst start that you could possibly imagine. Nothing's gone right. Everything's going horribly. In fact, it's not just like it's bad luck. It's just a total dysfunction. I can't guarantee anything, but what I can do is go over what's happened. The most pressing of these is obviously the offense. Seven points against Syracuse later, and uh, it's, it's fairly clear that there's more than just one problem here. Uh, this is going to be a short podcast just because it's only me and I don't want to be talking for an hour, that'd just be ridiculous, and because <laughs> you don't really need a long explanation for what's gone wrong here. So I'm just going to relay what was observed, and throughout the past couple of weeks, both today and, that's what I meant, the, today and the past couple of weeks, uh, this is in no particular order. So DeAndre Francois today, at this point, it's a wonder why Blackman isn't getting a look. Uh, Francois just, he can't run the offense, and everyone's going to jump to the offensive line. I'm going to get to that. But we also can't look over stuff like this because Francois is not improving. Everyone's looking at these games and they're going, all right, first one against Virginia Tech, Francois struggles to run the offense. He's having a lot of trouble with the read option. It's not going as quick as they want it. It'll get better. Fast forward to Samford. He Looks a little bit better. He's doing a little bit better with the reads, but he's still not up to what Taggart needs. But okay, there's five days of game planning. Who knows? Maybe it was just a short week. Maybe it was just one of those things where Francois can't make that quick of a turnaround. So a full week later and a slightly healthier offensive line. And uh, Francois, he looked like he regressed today. We can look at the offensive line, but Francois simply looks like he did not improve from that Virginia Tech game. It's like he's unable to read what a defensive end is doing. And that's a very big part of Taggart's offense. You have to read on those option plays. You have to be able to tell when you're going to keep it and when you're going to hand it off. There were at the very least two plays where Francois would have had a wide open field to run through if he had kept the ball. 
on both of those plays, Francois straight up made the wrong decision. He just does not know how to read the defender. His passes were whatever. I mean, they weren't terrible. He had some bad misses, but he gave his receivers enough of a chance. Unfortunately for him, his receivers were kind of inconsistent. You had DJ Matthews drop a crucial pass early in the game. Would have been a first down at the very least, maybe a touchdown. Uh, Keith Gavin didn't fully run his route on a third down. Caused a miscommunication. Nothing uh, really on Francois right there. You know, missed out on a big pass. There's, there's things like that. Things you can't blame Francois for. But overall, he just did not play well today. And... I'm going to go back to what I said. Why not play Blackman just a little? And I know every fan's favorite player is the backup quarterback. At the same time, if Francois can't perform, if, if he can't execute this offense, then really why is he out there? If Blackman can at least read better 25% of the time, if he can read the defensive end better that much, put him out there. I mean, who cares if he's running a five-second 40? It, it's not like it's going to make much of a difference right now because at this moment, Francois just looks like he's not a fit in Taggart's offense. And who knows? Maybe that Taggart, maybe Taggart gives the reins to Blackman after this game. I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't see a way for Francois to really rapidly improve at a pace that would keep this team bowl eligible. He just doesn't look like the guy right now. That being said, he's also behind an offensive line that's simply not FBS level. Uh, FSU fans can all agree here that I'm not exaggerating. Abdul Bello sucks. Juwan Williams sucks. Coleman Chu's okay. Derrick Kelly's injuries make him liability at tackles, so he just sucks. Uh, Eberle, he's average. That's all he's going to be. That's all he's ever been. I mean, he's a fine center, but that's all you can say for him. Mike Arnold at guard sucks. Uh, Dickerson's the one guy who has looked consistently good this year, and he's been out two weeks in a row, and he's not coming back till October, probably. In fact, he might not come back in October. I don't know. I've heard various things. I I would still say that he's probably coming back from his injury uh, on the timeline, but let's just say that it's not looking like he's going to jump right back in. I mean, when you have the injury that he did, you don't come right back in and play up to your level. So even if Diggerson comes back and plays half, you know, he's not going to play as good as he did. That's just the nature of injuries. FSU's offensive line is just at that point right now. That reminds me, uh, here's a question my friend texted me after the game. He goes, uh, realistically, how many true freshmen get start in 2019? We've seen what this line can do. It's not enough. Injuries suck. We all get it. But this offensive line simply can't play. Uh, Right now, I could see two starting. So if you're into that, if you're into kind of uh, theorizing if this could rapidly improve next year, well, maybe, but I I could see two freshmen starting by the end of the year, at least. Uh, Current commit, Dante Lucas, he's a four-star guard. He's looked good. Uh, He's a pretty nasty run blocker, which is what Taggart's offense really needs right now. He already has the weight behind him. He's got a great frame. He's filled out. Uh, he, he might need to get in better shape. I think he does need to lose some bad weight, but overall he could, he could play. I, I, he might not start. FSU's guard situation actually better than the tackle situation. So Lucas might not be the first choice, but if he's playing as well as he is right now, then 
I could definitely see him cracking the rotation. Uh, offensive tackle commit Charles Cross. He's starting to look like his technique is really early contributor level. Uh, if you looked at Charles Cross starting his senior year of high school, he played very well. Looks almost like a completely different player. Will he start? Not immediately. You Very, very few offensive tackles start immediately as true freshmen. But if he continues to rapidly improve like he has, I could see Charles Cross starting eventually in 2019. And this is all assuming that various players stay with FSU and that others commit. And at this point, that might not be true. I mean, if you go 3-9 and nine or 4-8, and eight, I don't know. I don't think that recruiting class maintains its status right now. You really might see a... Not an exodus, but you're probably going to see a couple of your top guys start looking elsewhere. But back onto the topic, uh, Will Putnam is another kid FSU is in a great position with right now. He's the center guard from Tampa, goes to Plant. Uh, he's right outside the top 100 if you look at the 247 sports composite. Uh, he's a really powerful kid, just scrapper on the line. Uh, he plays both defensive line and offensive line at Plant, which is a powerhouse in the area. He's a bit underweight right now. You can tell that he needs to put on some if he wants to contribute at, in the college level. But <laughs> you look at what FSU has right now. Bavian Johnson, not good. Former number one center in the nation, he's not good. If he continues to play like he has, I honestly don't see a way to keep putting him out of the starting lineup. He's just so talented, and the current FSU linemen are just so bad. Uh... You know, that's about all that, that that's about all that FSU is kind of in play for. You can go to four star Evan Neal. I think he's actually a five star right now, but uh, he would absolutely start day one. He's an offensive tackle, but FSU's trailing there. I mean, they're behind both Miami and Bama for his services right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what the situation is right now. In the 2019 class, you have kids who could reasonably start the minute they step on campus. And if not that, then they could crack the starting rotation by the end of the year. That's that's unheard of. At the Power 5 level, that is unheard of. We're going to talk about the offensive line and how they've looked, but uh, we also kind of have to realize that it's an effort thing. I mean, effort is a big part of it. We can blame Trickett all we want, but at some point... You know, Trickett's gone. You can't keep blaming everything on him. Taggart in the postgame press conference, to his credit, uh, he sounded legitimately angry at the offensive linemen. He was more or less calling them out, saying they aren't doing their job, yada yada. And uh, you can argue whether or not that's a good idea. Typically, that doesn't work out like the head coach intends it to. But all I'm going to say is right now, there's a lot of evidence that the offensive line is not giving 100% effort, or at least various members of the line. There's actually a video right now going around of Abdul Bello when he was playing left tackle late in the game. Uh, the ball is snapped, and Bello's in pass protection. Syracuse defensive end does like a half move, in, half move inside. He doesn't really get his arms up in proper position. That's why it's kind of like a half move. He's faking inside. But the problem is, neither does Abdul Bello. Except Bello really doesn't even make contact with the guy. The Syracuse defensive end literally just runs around him. 
all he had to do was tap Bella with his hand, and he just gets past him. And is that on Trickett? Uh, I mean, we can blame Trickett all we want, but at that point, I mean, that's bellow. That's effort. If you don't want to play, just tell the coach. Just tell him you don't want to come in. Don't waste someone else's time. Don't get somebody like Francois hurt because you don't want to play football. I mentioned in the article earlier this week, but culture change is something you can't blame Tagger for. My guess is there are going to be a pretty substantial group of players who are currently in the lineup right now who will not be with the program after 2018. And it's not going to be by their choice. Some guys made it through the offseason thinking that they could just clock in and that all just kind of come together when the season started. Now that they're losing, these same players are getting routinely embarrassed in the game. And as video shows, they've kind of given up. And believe me, the coaches know who they are. So in that offseason, when Fisher left and Tagger came in, it was kind of surprising how many guys stayed. Because literally, no one transferred except Maven Saunders, but he was a grad transfer. <coughs> so FSU had an absurd retention rate. Well, we're now realizing that's that, that may not have been for the best. There were some players who they really should have let go. Maybe somebody like, you know, it's like Florida after the loss to Kentucky with our with the Darius Lemons or whatever. The dude goes back to his dorm room and tweets out that he's transferring. Guys like that, you should have gotten rid of them in the offseason. You should not be waiting till it's against Kentucky or, I guess, in this place, uh, Syracuse. You know, you, you can't wait for that to happen before you get rid of them. But rest assured, after the 2018 season is done, there's going to be a lot of players who uh, they make a business decision. And let's just say that is a business decision recommended by FSU. And the coaches know who they are, again. Uh, there's some level of humor in the fact that guys like Tavares McFadden are speaking out on Twitter about it. Like we all didn't watch what happened in 2017. Like we all just forgot about what, what Tavares McFadden did in that season. It's those types of players that are really messing up what FSU wants to do right now. We're all going to be talking about the offensive line. You're going to hear a lot of discussion about it, what FSU can do, what FSU's recruiting with. But if we just focus on them and put all the blame on them, we're not being honest with ourselves. I'm going to repeat what I said on Twitter. Any decently coached team could put up more than seven on Syracuse. Wagner scored more points against Syracuse than FSU did. Wagner. Eric Dungy, who is Syracuse's lone source of offense, left the game at halftime. When he left the game against Western Michigan, the Broncos were able to stunt the Syracuse offense and score 20-plus points. FSU mustered seven. Guess what? You can't blame that on the offensive line. There are things you can do which take the load off of them. I mean, you can have rollouts, you can have quick passes, you can put double tight end sets in, you can put a running back and tight end with Francois in the pistol formation. You can do a lot of things to alleviate the fact that your offensive line is bad. Now, would it produce a wildly different result? Maybe not. Would it produce a better result? Yeah, absolutely. Taggart and Walt Bell, or maybe just Taggart, I guess. I, I don't. He just hasn't done any of them. 
maybe a couple times. Uh, he's done the pistol, I think, once this season. But how many times have you seen rollouts or non-screen passes that focus on quick timing? And whenever they've tried, like that pistol formation, the players just clearly aren't ready for it. The offensive line's terrible, no doubt about it. They don't play like they belong in the FBS. Greg Frey can't help with a lot of that, you know. Line is very finicky position group because one year of bad development sets you back two. They are not the only reason that FSU can't score. I've seen people saying that the staff is throwing in the towel on the season already. Right? Three games in, you're throwing in the towel. If you're only three games into the season and you're ready to just write it off, guess what? That's a coaching issue. You did not prepare your team enough in the offseason. Injuries hurt. We all get that. And trust me, fans should have lowered the expectations after injuries to Dickerson and Laybourne and whatnot. But really, what non-offensive line injuries are there? Laybourne's the only one, and he was a third-string running back who went down the second game of the season. Do you know how many teams would love to have someone like Cam Akers or Tamorian Terry or DJ Matthews or Trey McKitty on their team? You're trying to argue that the offensive line troubles mean that all these players are just useless, and that's not true. Does the offensive line artificially limit what they can do? Absolutely. Not saying that any of those players are going to light it up, be all Americans. But you are kidding yourself if you really think that that amount of talent is now completely neutered by an offensive line. If that's true, then it's the system. And if your system can be done in by injuries on one position group, maybe your system's not that good. There seems to be this narrative emerging that, you know, this is just the lost season for FSU and that it was always going to be. That is 100% not what Taggart and his staff felt before it started. No, losing a couple linemen is not going to destroy your expectations that much. Syracuse was at best, at best, the fifth best team you'll face all season. I really don't think they're better than Boston College either. So that probably puts them at sixth. You just lost to Syracuse 30-7. to That was with their starting quarterback out for half the game. Guys, that's coaching. Willie Taggart's just not a good coach right now. And that's not saying he can't change. One of the big reasons he was sought after was because he was able to change his system to fit his needs and correct it. At USF, he was on the brink of getting fired. Then he completely opened up his offense. We all know the story, 16-4 afterwards. But right now, you're seeing the type of tagger that appeared before that uh, season at USF, before he made that change in the season. He just looks totally unprepared right now. It's very fair to say that he's doing a bad job at the moment. His team's just not ready. And you can save this segment and throw it right back at me if you want to. I mean, I'm always going to admit when I'm wrong. You guys know that I will always 100% face up to when I've said something that turned out wildly wrong. But right now, it's kind of looking like Taggart's coaching for his job in 2019. If this team goes 3-9 and nine in the regular season, that's absolutely inexcusable. If 9-3 and three was the optimistic scenario, right, you cannot argue that offensive line injuries mean you lose six more games. If 8-4 and four was your scenario, again, offensive line cannot lose you five games alone. That's not how it works. At this point, the defense is basically the only thing preventing a 0-12 season. 
uh, Barnett actually looks like a really good hire. Uh, if you're looking for silver linings, uh, the defense performed really well today. It got lost in all the meltdowns, but Barnett's defense held a very good quarterback to just over 100 yards and only six points. Dungy went out with an injury, obviously, but he was not the juggernaut that he usually is. The FSU defense looked like they could have won this game for the team, at least in the first half and a little bit through the third quarter. So Barnett deserves a lot of praise, and he looks like he's gaining steam. I mean, his defense looks like it could be a serious, serious force come in 2019. It's already going to be good in 2018. But that's the only positive you can take from this game. I mean, as long as that defense maintains their current level of play, FSU won't be blown out by halftime. That's that's your silver lining. Boom. Woohoo. Overall, uh, a lot of concerns with this team are very justified at the moment. If you feel like you're a bad fan because you're already doubting this coaching staff, don't. Don't feel like a bad fan. There are some really terrifying omens right now. There's a couple of remaining hopeful segments, but they can't stop what's happening. FSU's entering some uncharted territory, and I hope you brought some rations. That's about all I can do for tonight, guys. Uh, again, I can I can review as much as I want, but it really won't change because we can all see what's wrong with FSU right now. Uh, we're still going to be doing this after each game. It might just be me. It might be me and Mike. Depends on uh, what happens. But we love bringing you guys content. Thank you to all of our sponsors. NullFan.org, best archive site in the universe. Uh, if you, at least in the FSU universe, uh, if you want to reminisce on better times, check out their site. Go look at all the players and the offensive linemen who actually did well back in the day. And then Southern Solutions LLC, Winter's almost here. It's too cold to work outside, guys, at least in Tallahassee, in the Tallahassee area at the very least. Uh, not right now, but it will be. So while summer is still here and while it's still 90-something degrees out by 11 a.m., get all those landscaping needs done with Southern Solutions LLC. That's all I got for you guys tonight. And uh, since Mike's not here, I'll say the magic word, adios.